0: episode one the RevOps show so i think that there are some people wondering why doug and remington would create a show on what earth would we do that but i think i'm actually really excited about this
1: i think there are some people that would wonder doug and remington talk to each other
0: <laughs> sure yeah so it's been fun. So this idea came up because we, uh, we've because we been having a lot of sidebar conversations about things in general, both pretty passionate about helping people grow. And we, yeah, we started talking about this thing, RevOps, which Doug has been talking about for a really long time. If you look at his blog on imaginellc.com, he might not have used the term revenue operations, but if you look at his content, it's very much from that side of the coin. And what's fun is... Over at Impulse, we've been thinking about how that stuff all works together, but we're most of the time from the marketing side, historically, and we've made some pretty considerable pivots in our messaging to say that we care about all of it. So this is fun because this is, we're not going to agree, I can guarantee you on a lot of that, but I think that you're going to get a lot of value. And our promise to the viewers and the listeners is no fluff, like just straight stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and I would say that what's going to be fun is we're going to call each other on our BS. And, and, I, would, and I would ask listeners, same thing. If you hear us Please. saying something and you think that we're a little bit full of ourselves or great in theory, which by the way, will emerge. That's one of the big issues around RevOps is that far too much of it is based in theory. If you hear that, let us know, challenge it.
0: Yeah. We might actually even pull in a screenshot of a tweet or just bring that into the uh, conversation?
1: We're definitely pulling in screen. Yeah, yeah. So we might even pull in a screenshot of a tweet with your permission. We'll <laughs> definitely be pulling in screenshots of tweets that maybe we don't have permission on. Yeah,
0: that's- that might have nothing to do with conversations around this show. That's possible too. I think it's important that with episode one, people get to hear just like who you are, where you're from, and why you do it. Specifically, this is not going to be a promotional podcast in general, but I do think it's important that you know who you're talking about. So, Doug, take a second to say say those things and talk a little bit about your experience.
1: It started on a cold, rainy night in October 1967. Born the oh, son man. of a sharecropper, I'm sorry. So that was my myth story. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the CEO uh, and founder of Imagine Business Development have my hand in a few other different pots. I have been selling since my mom says I've been I was selling when I came out of the womb. I started my first business in high school, started my first real business in college, so a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. Have have stood up and run four businesses since I graduated. Worked with a number of companies. One of my claims to fame I don't talk about too much, but I've been involved. I think it's now we're up to 16 companies that I've worked with firsthand that have had direct liquidity events. That's either a sale funding for total value. I think we're up to $1.4 billion. That's awesome. I've actually seen the books of, of more than a thousand different companies, small businesses, mid-market businesses, which is fun because I learned that there's the story that people tell. Mm-hmm. And then there are the books and, and, the and very, very rarely do they. And what, what will come up a lot in these conversations is I'll talk about poker a lot. And sometimes you win for reasons that you really contributed to. And sometimes you win because you were there. The fun thing about being able to see the front end and the back end is you really get to see what, what, what's what. And in the net of that, and I think what attracted me to you, Remington, I guess I could be taken out of context, but what it, I I think what was, what's different about you from a marketing standpoint is Mm -hmm. that you guys have always looked at it, or at least you've always looked at it from a little bit more of a process and systems perspective. You do some really cool stuff creatively, but, but the way I think you and I fell in love with each other. I showed you my model for outreach and you showed me your model for uh, traffic (laughs) growth to revenue. And we're like, wow. And so I, I I don't know why, but IBM in its heyday has Mm -hmm. had probably the the most meaningful impression. I think IBM built the greatest sales team in the history of the world. And they did it not by hiring superior salespeople. They actually hired inferior salespeople. They hired salespeople with less experience, less bona fides, paid them less relative to a dollar of sales. You ended up making more at IBM because you sold so much more. And what they did was they plugged them into a superior system. They built the genius into the system and unlocked the genius of behavior. And that's how I've always seen things. Mm. Which is a natural connection, I think, of what why I found revenue operations to be meaningful. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, so I'm going to come much more from the sales side. We certainly do marketing, and 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 we've had our um, our uh, up to our hips, if you will, with that. As and I know you've been the been on the other side. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so it's really about systems. I've just always had a systems approach to to life, growth, and the cosmos. So That's Sweet. me.
0: That's awesome. Fun because I I don't know that. I've given. I don't know that I've heard that intro for you before. So that's yeah, I had time. to
1: do something different.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in a little bit. Similar vein. I grew up in a boat in the Caribbean. <laughs> and I remember when I first
1: heard that? I was like,
0: wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Remington. I Remington Bag. I am co-founder. My wife owns the other half of the business of Impulse Creative. We are a more of the technical side, marketing, and we. We're leaning into RevOps agency. So we're going to help people grow. We're going to find the systems, the processes, the things they should or shouldn't do. And we're going to uncover we're going to uncover what Doug calls negative friction and try and find solutions around it. We do a lot of website development. We do a lot of enablement from a marketing and a sales side, which I'm sure we'll have some conversations about in the future. We've owned the agency since 2007. It is consistently. So it's been around for a while. Back when I was a kid, I remember my dad asking me where I got money from, thinking that I thinking that I like picked it up from him and I lived on a boat. And so I would go do tasks for people. I've had that entrepreneurial vibe from for a really long time. So whether it was watching people's dinghies, little tenders to get to their boats, or whether it was being hauled up a mast to fix something, I was lighter than most adults. And that's much more agile. So it was fun to go through that. I remember bringing back money and my parents just being like, wait, where'd you get it? And the cool thing about being down in the Caribbean, a lot of times I'd get American dollars. And I remember in Trinidad where like I got some Cheetos, which Cheetos were a hot commodity back then. And I paid a dollar, I got Cheetos and I got $6 back. And it blew my mind. And so I've had a passion for numbers ever since. So that's me. So did you grow up on a boat
1: or a sailboat? Or like, sailboat. how much time did you spend on a sailboat? Seven a years, in sail- the Caribbean. I that the the nature of sailing <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 the ecosystem of sailing. Just I, I remember thinking about it, and and yep. just a sailboat being able to move forward into the wind. It always it always the freaked attack. me out, right? Like, how that happened, and I learned that all uh, sail really is. It's an airplane wind. It's the exact, what enables a plane to fly is what, and and so so I I will bet that experience, you can't sail a sailboat without understanding ecosystems. And where you're trying to go. And holistic and and all those things. So there's, uh, from a very different place. Yep. Become a
0: partner. uh, 2012, we became a HubSpot partner. Okay. Yep. So we beat you by a few months. Sweet. It was July of... Oh, we beat you by
1: 2012. So we beat you then by (laughs) 10 months, almost a year.
0: Wow. How about that? We're we're, we're a year older. Yeah, no, sailing, it's funny. We call the team Wayfinders on the Impulse Creative team. The nautical side of it, very much like I I attribute and talk a lot about knowing where you're coming from in order to figure out where you're going. That's very much a Wayfinder thing. It's also, for the record, something they say in Moana. (laughs) but it's so true. Moana, the show or the the movie, but it's, it's interesting because you have to know where you're trying to go and you have to know where you're coming from. Otherwise in the middle of the ocean, you got no idea. And it's amazing to me, the companies that go in, they just jump into the ocean and they have no bearing on where they're trying to, where they're trying to be, where they're trying to go or like their current situation. So that's where the passion for me comes into all these systems.
1: Here's something that I don't think I've ever told you. I used to, i think I used to be sort of a certified financial planner. I was wealth manager at yeah. Lynch. I think I told you yeah, that. Yeah. Our process—the process that I created—was called the Wealth Integration Advantage. Okay. But we called the review process—we called it the Waypoint Review. Interesting. There you go. Let's
0: see. So, dun dun dun. Kindred no, spirits. So, Doug, can we talk about what RevOps isn't, but also with the disclaimer that we're going to unpack why down the road?
1: So I'm just going to go off on a, just go <laughs> brain dump, if you will. And then you, your jobs that, that like, that's probably your, gonna be your most challenging parent, job that. is to keep me focused somehow. I have the mute button. <laughs> I mean, I'm, On one hand, RevOps is whatever you want it to be. Sure. And so I think that, yeah, Lord knows there's a couple of people going, wait, are you the pot calling the kettle black there for a minute? Because sure. I clearly have a, a point of view. I, I, and I think we get into this problem with there's been this growth of the modern day marketer. It's, I, I actually think it's a very zero moment of truth phenomenon where, where Martech became this dominant play. Mm-hmm. And so someone realized that if you want to play a game, you got to give it a name. And so we've started creating names and-
0: For everything.
1: And then we argue- and it's become, it started being productive and I think in a lot of places it's become counterproductive. Yeah. Pillar page, revenue operations, inbound marketing. Someone says, yeah. that's not inbound. Well, right. Hell, Brian Halligan could tell me that's not inbound. And if anybody, maybe Darmesh, if anybody has the authority to say inbound is not, I would still say to them, it, inbound's whatever I want it to be if I want it to be that, right? And so, it's, so to me, <laughs> I think it's, there's a danger of saying the danger of revenue operations is everyone's co-opting it to be whatever they want it to be.
0: I think, so what's interesting about, and this is usually, this goes into my talk track whenever people start asking questions or I start fighting with them about the topic for inbound specifically is, and I've always been like since 2012, I'm not like, you can't just buy inbound marketing and you can't just do inbound marketing. You have to do marketing in an inbound way. It's more of a it's more of a philosophy methodology, right. if you will. It's a way of thinking. Like you could do outbound tactics in an inbound way. So, you could do direct mail. In fact, it actually you works really well.
1: You saw it last night. You're like, oh, that's offline. I'm like, yeah, baby, outbound. Come right. on. How, how did we get there so fast? I'm, like I looked at inbound, and I know we're supposed to be talking about revenue operations, but we are. I looked at inbound. And and Peace. so actually I I was doing inbound before it was inbound. And and so in the 1990s I owned a company with my family. We consulted with travel agencies. And we bought a full page ad in different trade magazines. Yep. And what we ran, but then later got called advertorial. But right. we didn't run it at, but we didn't even run it as a traditional advertorial. We bought the space so it had to say advertisement. That was legally. Yep. We had two articles that were articles. Yeah. My parents actually wrote, had a column for one, had a column in one of the trade magazines. Uh-huh. And, and it would have been something that would have stood up as any column. It was, it was completely objective. And then the ad was a report. And I later learned that those two articles are called blogs now. And yeah, the, different medium. the ad was called a landing page <laughs> and the report was called premium content. By, by the way, the, the single greatest campaign, the single greatest offer we've ever made was for a report called the seven early warning signs of business cancer. And it was the most phenomenal response. It's by far the greatest response we've ever gotten. And you could break it up into positive and negative response. And sure. we got more positive response than any other single thing. And we got more negative response than any other certain, certain thing. So there are people who loved it. There are people who hated it because they didn't like the, the connection to cancer. They felt like we were sure. making light of it, which we yeah. weren't. But again, so there was that overall approach. But I looked at Inbound and I said, yeah, this is great. But if, if I know Remington mm-hmm. works at Impulse Creative, and I know that Impulse Creative has a high probability of having the problem that, that we mm-hmm. solve... And I know that we would be a good fit. Why do I want to wait for Remington to find me? Now, again, the philosophy, so so all those things come about and you take it from a systems thinking standpoint, you determine your outcome, you you determine your constraints, you inventory your resources, you assess your strengths and weaknesses. And then you say, how can I apply these in the best way? Mm-hmm. Um, to give me the best chance of getting the outcome that I want to get within the risk I'll parameters that. that I'm willing to accept. Yep. And at the end of the day, you know what? That's RevOps. What I just said there, that's RevOps.
0: <laughs> and, and I think, so it's funny that we're leaning in and talking about inbound, market, inbound, just inbound, not even inbound marketing, because I think that the definitions can be very similar. It's just the extra things that we talk about like the, the scope of the things that we would assess or look at. Obviously, it goes a little bit broader with the term RevOps. It's fun that you brought it to that. I think that what's interesting is there's people who, people or and or like product-led companies that are talking about RevOps as almost a defense mechanism because all of a sudden now there's chief revenue officers or there's, there's people who are supposed to be growth marketers or there's these other demand gen jobs titles that suddenly now need something that's attributed to revenue. And you, say, you said something in one of your articles, it was a big one on revenue operations, but that like the one thing, it was like the big thing that people are getting wrong. And the anecdote of it was that it's less about the revenue directly as it is the actual operations, if I remember correctly.
1: It's, it's interesting because it, it, on one hand, it's less about the revenue than, than it is about the operations. But on the other hand, it's less about the operations than it is about the revenue.
0: But the revenue is like the byproduct of doing everything, doing the operations the right way.
1: Yeah, so I worry about, I worry, so the thing that causes me to worry when we make operations the keyword is we think of it from an oper, I, I th- so you have, a, let me unpack what you said earlier. <laughs> All right. So I think that the first, so you said in the introduction, we started off and we started off talking about, we started talking about sales ops. Yep. And and I think sales operations was becoming a dominant term. And I know that I was always uncomfortable with the term sales operations because I worried that people viewed it only as the operational side of what affects the sales team. Correct. Yep. There was, and then there was a smaller group of marketing operations that started mm. to become a thing. And so I actually, it, it, the statement that you made about RevOps being a defense, almost a defense mechanism, I hadn't thought about that. Like that, I, so I can't say I disagree with it, but it hadn't occurred to me. Yep. I, we started using the term revenue operations. We actually started using the term revenue operations before, at least to my knowledge, anyone, it was, buzzwordy. It was Called that. And we did it simply because I was worried, like we were going to be talking about something that was far more marketing related, but it would be in the sales operations bucket world, if, if you will. And so I didn't want to call it marketing operations because it, it was more than that, but I didn't want to call it sales operations. So I said, what's a word that I can <laughs> use that won't offend sales or marketing. And that's why we started calling it revenue operations.
0: Which sounds, which sounds like that is sales operations and marketing operations is rev operations. And I don't know that I've actually seen somebody that had a title called
1: customer success operations or customer right. service operations, or I don't, yep. they might exist. So again, challenge us, I'm, you know, and it's, so for, it's funny, I used to talk with someone, HubSpot started bringing out the sales products and yep. they were working to get their partner. They wanted to get their partners on board. I, I was a very common person. I was one of the. I am one of the rare HubSpot partners. Right, not I, my company. Sure. That and, That is both a good partner that came from sales. It's so like right. we were doing sales advisory, and we were selling HubSpot when we were doing sales advisory. We started doing marketing after we started partnering with HubSpot. And yeah. so I would talk to people, you know, they, they would have me on panels
0: and q and yeah, you talked about uh, the chasm in 2015.
1: I, I did talk about that, yeah. And But the, one of the things I said is that someone would ask the question, like, how do you bring up sales when you're talking to marketing or this? And I said, I, I can tell you how I would do it. Sure. But I can also tell you I've never been asked that question. I've never had that issue because I've never seen anything as a marketing problem or a sales problem. It's always been a revenue problem. And marketing and sales exist to solve for revenue. Customer Mm -hmm. success exists to solve for revenue. You can't change one thing without changing other. Even if you want to change one thing without changing other things, you can't do it. So you have to look at it holistically. And so, yeah, so that all came about. Now, I think where revenue operations is getting hijacked Mm -hmm. is... I'm sure this is going to come up a lot in our conversations. Technology is a piece of revenue operations, but revenue operations is by no means technology. Technology. First, you had sales automation. Yeah. Because they were talking about sales automation in the 1990s. It was the hottest topic. Yeah. Then you had MarTech. Then sales came back. Then you had sales enablement. Yep. And then you had all these products They couldn't, they didn't want to be MarTech
0: because they would be,
1: They'd be followers, but, but success. But again, I'm not, like, not even success. Like you didn't want to be that. You didn't want to be account management, help desk service because th- there were already of the plenty of competitors there. You couldn't be, you couldn't be um, sales automation. You couldn't be sales acceleration. You couldn't be sales enablement because they were all crowded. And yep. so revenue operations, like the most common definition of revenue operations that I see sourced Mm -hmm. is sourced to a tech company that sells a solution that surprisingly fits the definition of revenue operations that they have.
0: (laughs) People are referencing and people now, but now granted, like nothing negative on that company. It's part of their strategies, but at the same time, it's a, they're going after a solution to address a segment of the problem it doesn't, it's nothing, I'm still stuck on nothing.
1: I'm still stuck on nothing negative. I don't know that I agree that, that nothing negative. Say,
0: say um, more. I
1: don't, I don't think it's
0: intentionally it's not, negative.
1: I don't know if I agree with that either. <laughs> okay. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's not moral. It's not immoral. Sure. It's not fattening. It's a tactic. Now, it's a relatively effective tactic. Sure.
0: You're talking okay. about like product-led. The whole product, well, right? I, no, I, it, it
1: absolutely, what what I'm saying here does apply to, to, to PLG, to product-led growth, product-led marketing, whatever. Yep. But, so there's a problem. When the, what started on this conversation is I said, RevOps is whatever you want it to be. That's a problem. We yep. didn't, we didn't used to have this problem at this level when, frankly, there was less technology. Right. Sales automation meant something. Marketing automation meant something. As, as a matter of fact, I remember HubSpot would not let you call them a marketing automation product. I, I actually didn't know this because I'd come from the sales side, but marketing automation was email automation. That's what marketing email. automation was. And, and I guess they, like email automation didn't sound cool enough.
0: I just had that conversation today. I was like right. workflows, which is a tool in HubSpot. And people are like, oh, you mean email automation? Uh, no. Actually don't, you would never send an email with what I'm saying using workflows.
1: Actually, it was multiple autoresponders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Time-based. that's really what it was. Right. (laughs) And that's Um, so, yeah. So we could go down, we could go down that path of, I think that's a whole episode by itself. But you said something earlier about, and I'm changing gears here to, to bring it back. You said something earlier. That's your job. Marketing, right? Marketing ops and sales ops. And then there was this, like c- the customer service or the success cares about revenue. So marketing and sales work together to, to secure revenue and then service works to secure revenue. And those three Well, I would say really marketing, really about, sales,
1: like, and service work together. Yeah. I would say yeah, those, the all gears. three of them work together,
0: yeah. yeah. So those are all the gears that make the revenue happen. And those gears right. have to move. That's revenue operations. The fact that the gears are moving, not, the, not just the gears.
1: So that connects to an important point, which is everybody has revenue operations. Right. I don't care who you are. If, if you're trying to get revenue, you don't right. even need to have revenue. If you're trying to get revenue, you have revenue operations. Yes. Because whatever it is that you're doing, that, that is about getting, in essence, the gears to work, right. that's revenue operations. You might not have right. good revenue operations, but you have revenue operations.
0: And I think that's an important, that's an important distinction too, because- there are many that say you don't need to think about revenue operations unless your company is X. And I think that's absolutely false. I think that you should, the earlier that you think about revenue operations and you think about the operations and the streamlining or removing the negative friction as my pal Doug says, the better. Cause there's no, a higher yield for- response.
1: I disagree with you.
0: Yes, let's go. Why do you disagree? I disagree with you.
1: If I have three people- Yep. Yep. Why am I going to spend time thinking about revenue
0: operations? Because you need to think about the experience and the lack of friction that you would have with the customers that are coming in. I think there's a volume side. So three people, yes, they should be able to handle the inner workings. But what happens when you have processes and systems in place for those three people, and then you bring on a fourth? Where do they fit? How do they fit in? What gears do they help turn? But then what happens if you have that high influx of customers on the other side?
1: Guess what? Every three, four, five, there's some number. Yeah. Probably to ten. But let's say five, right? Because yep. as you get into the five to ten, there's other things that, that play. Because we're thirteen people. We're playing a game that's closer to the game that, that a company with thirty to fifty people would play because of what we're trying to do. But
0: similar scenario with
1: I know, but by the way, the single worst place in the world to be is five to 25 employees. It is the single worst place in the world to be. And, and the reason for that is you have the needs of a company much larger than, with, with, with yeah. many more people than you, but you don't have the band, the, the breadth to, to amortize right. that cost. So you're always underserving. So by the way, that connects to why I'm saying this. If, so every company with less than five people, because I'm confident saying that, okay. every company with less than five people is totally unique. They're filled with unicorns. Nobody has a job description Okay. or, or in reality, everybody's job description. The, the bookkeeper right. is your content writer because they happen to like, they wrote fiction and they love fiction, also, or also
0: right. your office manager
1: or, or, right. but, but what I'm saying is you're filled with people who play roles because it happens to fit to them absolutely and totally individual. Right? Sure. And much of that is driven by necessity. Okay. Okay. It makes no sense from a scalability standpoint. It makes no sense from an efficiency standpoint. It makes none of those things. But I'll tell you the number of companies that have less than 10 people who I hear talking about, we can't do that because we're not sure it'll scale. We're not sure it'll play when we're 100 people. And I'll be like, you know what? You got a whole lot of time before you have 100 people to figure it out. And here's what I promise you. When you're at 50 people, it will be totally different than what you thought it was going to be. You have 100%. no idea. So don't waste your time thinking about it.
0: <laughs> and so I agree. The juice, so let me introduce, cause it's going to be, you're going to hear this a lot. The juice has to be worth the squeeze. It was, it's, it's only 23 minutes into the podcast, and you said it. <laughs> I knew it was happening. It was an internal. I,
1: I, you, you know what? Every minute that you're going to spend thinking about revenue operations at and and god i'm all revenue ops now but every minute you spend thinking about revenue operations when you have four people sure i'm looking at you going are you freaking nuts so figure out
0: how to get more customers so the so the definition there so here's the thing i agree the like how we think about revenue operations we meaning i think you and me for the 15 to 30 per- person organization I think there's lessons and perspective that are very valuable if you're interested in scaling, even when you're at three, about processes you can put in place to be more efficient. Along with those processes, you call them plays in your agency. Along with that process or those plays. No,
1: process and plays are different, actually, in our agency. Just
0: plays are different. process, Process and you also call them plays. Okay, fine. All right. Yeah, yeah. But the processes and the plays, like we have standard operating procedures for many functions. And then we've got, then we've got the things that the individual job function should be. And some people are sharing job function or, or have multiple job, job functions right now as we're scaling. The mentality of the experience and the customer, which is one thing I think is a key piece of revenue operations along with the process and the operational flow of the company, I think still can come from a, a revenue ops mindset, even when you're at three employees. Now, do you need to invest in revenue operations by itself? At what, is that,
1: what does that mean?
0: It means that you're thinking about the full experience from end to end, right? Yeah. Inbound used to think about, uh, it was a track, convert, close, delight, right? It's the understanding, the delight, the delivery. I use delivery instead of delight. Del- there's like delivery in the middle. You have to close them and <laughs> you have to deliver mm-hmm. and then you can delight them. But like that whole process, what does that look like? Because if we're not considering what the whole experience is, in, is for the customer, we're stuck in our silos, even if we're half of one job function over here we have to understand the cause and effect of all of it
1: let let, let me put it to a a place that you probably have more experience sure bring it closer to home how do you optimize 100 visits a month how much time should i spend about how how much time should i spend about thinking about conversion rate optimization at 100 visits a month
0: so interesting because i would look at that 100 visits a month and i go where are they going And where is that hundred visits? I would look for some kind of data trickle that happens. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be a lot of data, but it's essentially allowing me to hedge my bets in one way or another. The risk versus reward, the amount of time and effort or the return on effort is something you're gonna hear me say, which is the same thing as juice for the squeeze for Doug. But the return on effort is going to be like, where is that gonna be? If we have a lot of traffic coming in to a page, and that page is not converting.
1: I'm getting a hundred visits a month to my website.
0: I know, but are you so are so? You what what 10 page leads? is going to give me a lot of visits? But are you getting ten leads?
1: I think if I was getting ten leads and I had a ten percent conversion rate, there we would not be talking to anyone about that's optimizing
0: because it's that's not true.
1: Because okay, who do you so? Tell me somebody who's got a hundred visits a month that has that's getting ten good leads.
0: There's quite a lot of service companies that have really great brand work that are getting direct people coming in and converting at that high. Like I know quite a few, it's not marketing. At a hundred, at a hundred. No, maybe it's 300 and it's 30, but still, but here's my point. That hundred by itself, if you only look at that is a failure. No. The hundred, I only have a hundred coming.
1: You know what I learned? I have to have a hundred visits before I can have a thousand. I have to have a thousand before I can have 10,000. Sure. So I don't so, think a hundred's a failure.
0: Okay, but the perception is that it's not a lot and there's not a lot of data to get out of that based on what you just, based on what you just said. What I'm saying is, is if we don't think about this from a revenue operation standpoint and what that hundred visits trickles down into over here, there's no way for us to understand the value of this over here.
1: So, so what I'm going to say
0: is- Yeah. Now we're getting juicy.
1: What I'm going to say is that first off, you're getting a hundred visits. So any yeah. improvement I make- you're not going to notice it any, anyways, because you it, it, it's just, there's you're not going to notice it. Secondly, <laughs> the time that I'm going to spend,
0: huh?
1: Let's say I'm just going to make up a number. You're getting a half a percent, so you're get you have sure. a you're getting one lead every two months. Yep. I, I'm going to say that it's going to be easier, and I'm just using web as an analogy. I'm going to say it's a hell of a lot easier to get to get the traffic to a thousand than it would be to get to the increase conversion the conversion rate
0: by one point, just to be clear, because so I, from a half a
1: point to one right. and a half percent,
0: hundred uh, percent. I'm with you. I'm just so, want to so, make sure. Yep. Yep.
1: So I'm going to say, I'll tell you what, and, mm-hmm. and and by the way, whatever you're doing to get a hundred, whatever I look at, if you start getting a thousand to 10,000 and I'm operating on the assumption that it's a website that should have a thousand to 10,000, but when you start getting a thousand to 10,000, yep. the mix of that, every everything I'm going to learn about you at a hundred Yep. It's going to be totally different when you get to a thousand to 10,000. So how about we not worry about conversion and we just get uh, p- more people to show up. That's, sure. that's the barrier right now. Now, once we get people to show up, okay, now let's begin to, sh- to, to sink our teeth into it. Cause thinking about optimization sure. until you add a critical mass, theoretically makes sense.
0: I didn't think about optimization. I said from a revenue operations mindset, I I said, my question to you was, how do you optimize but that's the thing it's you don't have enough data so the whole wayfinder thing that we talk about impulse right you got to understand where you're going before you understand like where you're coming from if you if i'm not thinking about the whole engagement the whole environment about what is going on that affects the revenue of my agency i'm not able to look at that and go is the effort that i'm spending in traffic the right effort? Or where should I go with that 100? There's data available for us to understand how it works. My point of view is that when we look at that traffic, even 100, if we have five customers that have closed and are really great, and none of them came from the internet, I actually don't give a crap about the 100 people that came to my website. But
1: again, my point is, my point is not about the the <laughs> actual physical website to this. My point is there's a certain point where it's like, hey, you know what? Sure. What is it that Vince Vaughn said in? And I'm forgetting. Let's go out and make some bad decisions.
0: I grew up in Wait. a boat. <laughs> go out, <I>
1: know,
0: which <laughs> is apparently is the equivalent of really a Really suck for me,
1: especially pop culture metaphors. Yeah. But those listening will be familiar with Vince Vaughn saying, "Hey, let's go out and make some bad decisions today." Great. Go out and go out and make some luck. Yes. Go out and get some blind luck. Go out and, and do some stuff. Because I'll tell you, if I had thought about operations, and and, 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 and I about thought about scale. I always no, do no paralysis. but it's no, it's not analysis paralysis because no one okay. will ever accuse me of analysis paralysis. But I was so worried, uh-huh. not worried. I was so focused on how are we going to make this work mm-hmm. at five million dollars that I forgot that what you do when you're at five million dollars is different than what you do when you're at a half a million dollars yes and I realized I said you know what I got to get to a million before I can get to five million and so when I'm at a half million dollars what I'm gonna do I'm gonna play to the strengths of a half million dollars right and how did talk I feel about
0: how it's different
1: hey, one thing I did is I stopped worrying about how much business was dependent upon me okay which is a horrible idea when you're five million dollars. But I was so focused on building business that was not dependent upon me that I forgot that I was the number one asset that my business had
0: at $400,000 and I wasn't taking advantage of it. Sure. So my challenge to that is you were thinking about that because you're wired this way from a revenue operations mindset. No, I wasn't thinking
1: about it from a revenue operations mindset. 100% you were. You
0: were taking. it. I gave up.
1: I stopped thinking. No, when I stopped thinking about it from a revenue operations mindset, I... Because you wanted to scale? No. When I stopped worrying about scaling, I was so focused on how am I going to scale, which I've come to realize I don't even think anyone knows. No one can tell me what that actually means. Sure. Actually, there's a great Sarah Cooper. She's come up with a calendar, how to sound smart in meetings as a daily calendar. And she said, when someone says this, just say, let's scale. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So It's one of those things that no one knows what it means, but it makes you sound really smart. But... Coming back to this, I realized I was, and I, I see this happen every day. There's yeah. so many people that are worrying about scaling. Sure. That,
0: that
1: they don't, they don't trigger anything.
0: Sure. So the argument- By anyway, the to remind
1: everybody, this is about, is there a point where you're too small to be-
0: <laughs> Thinking operations. about revenue operations. So I still think the answer is that no, there is not. Now, I think you, there is not a point you're too small. I think that if your job is to bring in, retain and deliver services to your clients. Yeah.
1: In fairness, yes. So so there's a revenue operations component, but there, that is, (laughs) I don't know what that means.
0: No, the mindset is you're thinking about the whole thing. So how is that different
1: than, how's that different than be strategic?
0: Because strategic doesn't have, so marketing strategy.
1: I didn't say marketing strategy. I no, said no, no. being strategic. I'm giving an
0: example. Being strategic. I say where? And what do you say? Where am I being strategic?
1: Are you saying that figuring out your destination, yeah. where do you want to be? Is, yeah. that, a, is that thinking RevOps?
0: It depends on the context of where you're coming from.
1: Because so I've got if, my business, it's a year old and I'm thinking about what do I want to do. And I go, sure. okay, so where do I want to be five years from now? Okay, we want to get to five million dollars in the next in the next five years. Yeah. So I've I've established a destination because we both agree if you don't know where you're going, yep. it's gonna be really hard to get there. You can't establish waypoints.
0: Right. So you just gave a revenue number. And then you go and, and how do you figure out how much work has to happen? So like we would go into how many customers does that mean? How does that break down in business segment? What do those customers look like? Would you agree? No. So you wanna be, be that large, what is the next question then?
1: My, I'm asking you is having, are you saying that, that thinking RevOps is having clarity around destination? You're getting into the tactics of, no. of the real world conversation.
0: No, it's the, it's the slicing that down. So I want to get to five mil in business. Strategy, so the reason
1: that I said no, the reason yeah. that I said no, uh-huh. is that the answer to the question uh-huh. in real life is, you have no idea. So I'm $100,000 right now. Right. I want to be 5 million. Yeah. The answer is, you have no idea how many customers it's going to take to get no. to 5 million.
0: No, but deductive reasoning will allow for you to start slicing that up and no. trying to figure out measurable pieces.
1: It will that's allow strategy. you to create an illusion of certainty. No, that's not strategy. That's math.
0: It's starting. <laughs> this, this podcast is going to be great. I can't wait to listen to it again. I warned um, you. I warned you. No. So then where does, so strategy to me, it, to answer your question, is understanding where you are and understanding where you're trying to go and then thinking about things. If we were to bring this to a, a sailboat metaphor, you have to go upwind. And it's the tax that you have to make in order, in order to make it to where you need to go.
1: So great book by John Feinstein, A Good Walk Spoiled. It's a year walk, on the PGA spoiled. Tour. A Good Walk Spoiled, okay. which is the definition of golf. That's what golf is, it's a good walk spoiled. Right. Okay. It's like how to, how to make a nice walk frustrating, play golf. <laughs> and so it's a year on the PGA tour. Okay. And Feinstein's writing a chapter about one of the pro-ams and Greg Norman, who was I, like, if not the number one golfer that year, one of the top golfers that year is in a pro-am and he comes up, he has, he has an approach shot and he does that beautiful, beautiful arch hit spins back two feet from the two feet from the hole. Yep. And his the amateur that's with him goes, man, I'm have been trying. i trying to get that spin. I, could, could you teach me how to do that? And he had seen him play holes, and he's like, oh, h- how often are you hitting it? Like, how often are your approach routes going past the hole? And, and the guy says, never. And Norman looks at him and says, why do you want to spin it back? Sure. Right, the point is, don't worry about spinning the ball back until mm-hmm. you learn how to actually hit the golf ball. So I've never sailed before. Okay. Okay. So I go on. So I decide I want to learn how to sail. And I've never played golf. And I go okay, and I say. So I say okay. How am I going to tack out in the Atlantic Ocean? I'm pretty certain yeah. that whoever my sail instructors is going to say. How about we worry about how we get out of the whatever the area is called that you're not allowed to go over a certain speed? The harbor.
0: <laughs> how do we get out of the harbor? <laughs> how do we get out of the harbor? <laughs>
1: Hey, Doug, sure. why don't we figure out how to untie the ropes before we, <laughs> sure. worry about, before we worry about tacking?
0: Sure, fair. But...
1: So let me flip it on you before we get too far down and we forget what, the, what this is about here, which is what is the definition of... Rev, what, what is revenue operations? Sure. Therefore, what is the definition of revenue operations? And so I'm, I want before I get to the definition, because yeah. again, this is where the problem has become... And this is, by the way, the problem with strategy. Strategy is whatever someone wants it to be. Perfect. And and, and and so, like, the, my biggest fear about revenue operations is everyone's saying, revenue operations is the key to growth. And I look at what they're saying is, and it's basically, okay, we'll just call that function revenue operations. And my point of, uh, you have revenue operations, right, whether you call it or not. So just calling something revenue operations doesn't change anything. So my question is, why revenue operations? Okay. So why what what is the purpose? But what's the purpose of revenue operations? What's the problem that revenue operations solve?
0: I think, are you asking me this? Or is that a rhetorical? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm asking so you a question. I think that the problem that Revenue Ops is trying to solve is that you want to get as much as possible for the least amount of work.
1: Right, that's what I want, but what's the problem that it solves?
0: the problem the problem that it solves is very much in my opinion around profitability or viability of a No business. that's
1: the outcome that's the outcome no, no the, but what's problem the problem that's is preventing lack the of. but what's the thing that's preventing the profitability that revenue operations addresses the Are, do you want my answer or do you want to keep go this? ahead. yeah <laughs> there's only two there's only two there's only two whys for RevOps: friction yeah. and acceleration
0: sure Reduce Which I was friction, other, otherwise,
1: yeah. But I, I'm actually going to call this out. This is a key thing. This because I'm going to be bringing behavioral economics to the show.
0: It's great.
1: I'm bringing behavioral economics. The you talked about the frustration. You talked about the desired outcome. Sure. But let's be clear. Revenue operations as a focus uh-huh. exists to reduce friction. Yeah. Basically, to reduce drag. Yep. That that friction is causing so that you can accelerate right Or and increase. so can can i you can do whatever you want doug this is our show i know i'm gonna go <laughs> ahead i'm gonna do it i'm i'm gonna do it so while so you're we all know that. what we so we all know the we all know the flywheel
0: right yeah
1: so here's our new so so remington hasn't learned the new inbound methodology which is attract engage delight he's still stuck on
0: the attract no, I actually um, might hate the flywheel, but convert. that's another episode.
1: Really? Okay, yeah. good. I'm going to enjoy getting into that. But I, I actually like the flywheel from a business growth dynamic standpoint, which is what yeah. I'm talking about. It. Yep. Okay. And so how do you increase the way the f- flywheels are, by the way, are very efficient for energy transfer. Sure. If they're managed correctly, I should say. Yep. So so f- the beauty of the flywheel is the flywheel takes advantage of momentum so that yep. the juice becomes well worth the squeeze. Sure. What, what I see a lot of growth happening because people are squeezing a whole lot harder. Sure. So we increase force, and one of the problems of increasing force is that it creates its own friction. As we grow, we deal with more complexity. And what happens yep. is, you know what? You're gonna like this. It's like barnacles on a boat. Yeah. But when I have a tiny little boat and and I'm on some little lake and, I'm, and I've got a rowboat, I don't have to worry a whole lot about barnacles.
0: If you have barnacles. okay. So- If you're in a lake, you wouldn't have to worry about barnacles.
1: There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Don't let biology get in the way. So here's what my point is. When you're at a certain, when you're at a certain level, if you don't have enough force. Sure. Then reducing friction doesn't, the the cost of reducing friction
0: doesn't pay off. So I agree to a certain extent. There's two types of companies right now. The ones that are like, oh, let's just, let's increase, let's increase the force. Let's just invest wholly in increasing the force. And there's a byproduct of all of this extra baggage that can be exponentially create more negative friction if we're not thinking about it. And, and an example is around tech. So we want to increase. Yeah, but force. when you're at. Go ahead.
1: Well, tech's an interesting thing as to whether or not that actually increases force or not. But that's.
0: No, um... but it's a byproduct. Like people are like, oh, I have to do that. I need. I'll take it to website performance as an example. I want to get, I want to start doing pay-per-click because I need more. I need more. I need more. Let's install this tracking code on our website. I need more. I need more. Oh, I could get traffic from this area. I need more. I need more. You start doing that. And then suddenly your website slows down because of all of the crap on it. That essentially is an example of the same thing that happens in your company. When you have all these different places, your data is stored. You have all these different areas that your team has to go to in order to- But if you have three customer,
1: people, you don't have all that. You, you can't have
0: all that. You actually can. No, you, uh, you, if you wanna, the tech. Talk,
1: I don't wanna get. I don't wanna get bogged down into the technology I know, I know behind what you mean a website specifically. I know specifically. what you mean with the three.
0: Maybe three's not it, but you, the six, you suddenly have multiple spreadsheets for multiple clients for multiple issues. And that's, and if you cared about efficiently scaling your company from the get-go, cared not actually like focusing on in my opinion that's a rev ops approach so let's do this yeah let
1: let me put forth a definition of rev ops which i think i would might... love it
0: i would love it because but... i love this definition so dun, dun,
1: dun. So, so so revenue operations is the strategic coordination by the way i've got a definition of strategy i got a whole webinar on this by the way
0: i know <laughs> we should put like... a link in the show notes
1: there's their strategy means something right there's a diagnosis of the challenge there's a guiding policy and coherent actions behind that let's get back to the let's get back to the definition
0: i'm gonna bring that back to sailing later
1: okay it's a strategic coordination of all market-facing revenue-oriented system systems processes and activities yep designed to increase velocity yep optimize throughput and reduce the effort required to solve for the customer and achieve revenue objectives. And so the place where revenue operations goes wrong, and it's really mm. easy to go wrong. And it's why so many, it's why sales operations has a bad name. Yep. Okay. Is that it oversolves the problem. So we revenue operations stops delivering on its promise. If I'm at a stage where I'm getting to a million, and revenue operations is saying, no, rev- the revenue operations thought is, no, this is going to, this is going to hurt us getting to 5 million. We have to do this so we can get the 5 million. Revenue sure. operations is no longer doing its job. I agree. And that's where it becomes too much of a good thing. Here's what I would say, actually. Yeah. You need to have a good strategy. Yes. If you don't have a good, if you, if you don't have a good, clear, coherent strategy. Yep. Then- if you don't have a coherent strategy you can't have purposeful or strategic revenue operations Okay. Again, you have it but it's about task management it's not going to be a contributor so revenue operations is responsible for the friction side of the equation yes sales marketing customer success yep they're responsible for the force side of the oper- force side of the equation there should be a natural conflict yep. between revenue operations and sales and marketing and force, reduce friction. The balance is in between. By the way, strategy is all about making trade-offs.
0: Yes. The whole, running a business for sure is just trade-offs.
1: We were having a conversation about, about lead response time. Sure. And I said, what if, and he said, shorter the better. And I said, "What about when, once I get to a certain stage? What? What if I go less than that? Oh, okay. that's better. How's that better? Because faster sure. is better. But how much does it? Like, how much does it cost to go from thirty minutes to fifteen minutes? How much does it cost to go from one day to one hour? Sure. If the cost of one day to one hour is bigger than the problem, then it's not as that. Right. Co- contrary to your friends at Drift, <laughs> not every customer in the world is." even once under a day there are industries where a day is faster than i need it yeah and and so where is the constraint where is something too much of a good thing there's a place where focusing on reducing friction theoretically makes sense we could reduce friction but you know what no that's not that's not where those resources should go
0: anymore so i think there so th- i think that's the where the difference in what you're saying and what i'm saying is i'm saying that if you are thinking about Things from a RevOps mindset. You're mindful of those two sides of the equation.
1: Then, then what, I'm fine. Then, then yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're. What
0: actions? So what actions are we taking? I think that if. So I'm working with two companies right now. We're asking about their strategy and trying to understand where everything goes. If I was two, if I was two different agencies with two different departments, and we hadn't, and we didn't speak to each other. I would realize that the goals over here for the marketing department and the goals over here for another marketing department have a significant overlay in the objectives that they're looking to accomplish. And they're willing to pay us two, in two different areas, completely separate, essentially solving the same problem for a good subset of the overlap. If we looked at that strictly from a marketing objective or a marketing team point of view, no one would see that issue no one would see the fact that we could push and get velocity for that one segment. But the other part of the business is trying to do the same thing. And if, by being mindful of both of those things and how they affect revenue, what you're saying about the cost of doing that extra, that one second versus one hour response on chat is the same thing when we're not thinking about how the individual departments yeah. or individuals are working. You know, I,
1: Again, you're talking about a company that's at a scale that's different than and my statement of, of, are you too of small? The yeah. Is there a place where you're too small? Because I can tell you, I had somebody that, this was a few weeks ago, and they listened to some podcasts, they'd read some stuff, and they were big, right. you know, the, the friction idea, done. The, the, but they were like, they didn't even say get the friction. And I, and they were telling me about where they weren't. And, um, and I said, you know what? I said, the best thing you can do for your business is, just yeah. like, what? I said, go create more friction. Cool. I said, stop worrying about eliminating friction. You need more friction. Don't even think yeah. about. Don't even think about eliminating friction. You're so worried about friction that you're. you're not you, you Give me. him any
0: other advice beyond that?
1: I'm not sure I probably gave him a couple other tips, but why? What would it have mattered?
0: Sure. So you still want to make sure there's force because you want to make sure there's a balance of not worrying about the negative friction. But I think that when that three becomes five, there's trade-offs that they could have made when they were three to make five easier
1: yeah but it's like raising kids
0: i'm early on in that so
1: yeah you're going to figure this out there when it doesn't matter what you do you're going to screw them up they're going to have material <laughs> i started becoming a much better parent when i stopped worrying about what sure. were my kids going to have to see a shrink because of what i did and i realized whatever i do they'll have reasons to go see a shrink because of what i did fair so fair. what i'm going to do is i'm going to make the best decision that i can where and how i can and 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 and, and you, know, you know why I think I'm really good at RevOps? Why is that? Because I'm a sales, because I'm a salesperson at heart. And, sure. and like, I know with my RevOps team and they're very good. It's like their tendency is to oversolve, because to them, it's right and wrong. And what I'm saying is 80% Trade-offs. of the time, the best thing you can do is just make it not wrong.
0: Fair. All right. Don't even so think about really, it. Right. Don't even think about it. That's really good, right. that's a really good stopping point for this piece, because I think that's really important. So we defined revenue operations, Doug your, and your description of what revenue operations that you had in the slide. We're gonna put it in the show notes as the actual definition as well, is I think the, one of the best definitions, and it has nothing to do with the fact that it came from you. It has everything to do with the fact that like any one of these tools talking about RevOps that have their own definitions. If they care about solving the things that we believe that RevOps helps solve, then it, it could be part of the RevOps solution.
1: You know, if, if I could say just real yeah. quickly, I don't claim any author's credit, though I did create it. Uh, I'm straight, the point is if that's the objective, if that's the if that's the the point purpose the statement purpose. Of, of what you can call it whatever you want to call it. I call it revenue operations. You can call it whatever you want to call it and yeah. and and you're gonna get you're gonna get the outcome from it. But if you call something revenue operations, and you don't have to have this definition, but my question would be, what is the definition you have? And is that definition actually operational? Meaning yeah. is there can you measure against it where you know you where are you? What is does it matter is it's the guiding policy of the strategy, it's the operating code for how to make and manage the trade-off.
0: And that's interesting because I think even like mission statements for companies should operate in the same way. Like the mission of what you're trying to accomplish, does this new product fit into that, yay or nay? What are those requirements? Want, like we have that for you want the me- Does it help fit the
1: Yeah. You want the meta-thought that's gonna, they could transition to the next episode because I know that's where you're trying to get. Yeah. The act of reducing friction uh-huh. creates friction.
0: Yes. And a lot
1: of people forget that. So does tech. No, oh, well, so tech is, you know what? Well, we're going to have a fun time talking about tech. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God, how are. people do tech. It's it, yeah, yeah, we
0: are. Cool. So this was a lot. I know that we went super deep and super heavy in this. So for those of you who are interested in following our journey, please subscribe. We're probably not even going to say that stuff towards the end of these calls. But if you're interested, there's the button that you can. We are, if you do want to continue the conversation, you can go to RevOps show on Twitter. Just tag us. Doug and I will be paying attention to that that channel. And we'll probably just tweet back as us, to be honest, because we're busy and probably won't be able to log into that specific one. But that's a place that we can uh, be sharing the updates for the podcast. This will be available on all of the podcast players of choice. Rock on. Yeah.